Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Prog Watch. Music that tells a story with your friend and host, Big Tony Rousick, a.k.a. Prog Squatch. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Prog Watch, my friends. This is Big Tony, your host, and I thank you for tuning in once again. By now, we are all into 2020, and I wish you all a happy new year, and I hope you had an enjoyable holiday season. I've got a great program lined up for you this week. Dave Kersner of In Continuum, Sound of Contact, Mantra Vega, and his own Dave Kersner Band will be my guest. And Dave and I will be chatting about all sorts of things, including his new In Continuum project and the on-again, off-again Sound of Contact saga. Before I begin, a big thank you to our new and ongoing supporters, our patrons of the Progressive Arts. Without your support, we couldn't continue to make this show. If you enjoy Progwatch and you want to help me to keep making it, you should consider supporting the show at patreon.com. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You can find me there under Anthony Rausick. Or you can go to progwatch.com and click on the support the show link, which will automatically redirect you to the Patreon page. Also, a big thank you to those who took the time to rate the show highly and write a short review for us on iTunes. Your ratings do help others find the show, and I love hearing from you. So now let's get things going with Dave Kersner. We'll start things off with a song from the very early days of Dave's career, when he was working with the late Kevin Gilbert. Dave played on a song called Joy Town on Kevin's Thud album released in 1995. For his new compilation, which Dave will talk more about later, Dave has included a live version of this song. So here's Dave's take on Joy Town.
Fathers, they have big hands. Pat gently on your head. And mothers always make sure everyone is happy and well fed. And everything is instant. No one has to wait too long And Lennon never has to sing A Paul McCartney song We're living here in Joytown The city of the sun Everyone loves everyone Loves every single one No one sells his roommate stuff So he can get a fix And no one fears the darkness No one fears the number six Everyone talks openly Of great things that they've read no one ever says the things that are better left unsaid But everyone has someone they can share their sadness with And no one leaves the slightest doubt No one takes the fifth We're living here in Joy Town The city of the sun And everyone loves everyone Loves every single one Jesus and Muhammad Joy Buddha live in town Zoroaster and Bahala Moses hangs around And when they get together They are quite a noisy crew They laugh about their legacies Over cigarettes and City of the sun And everyone loves everyone Loves every single one Senator McCarthy Enjoys the book by Marx People tear down parking lots So they can build more parks Jimmy plays the perfect seems to win And Martin Luther King has got a blonde white girlfriend Living here in Joytown Won't you come and sing along They'll never tell you you ain't singing the right notes Never criticize your song
everyone loves everyone Loves every single Again, that was a cover of Kevin Gilbert's Joy Town by Dave Kersner. You can find it on his new compilation album called Breakdown, a compilation 1995 through 2019. Now let's hear a little of my chat with Dave Kersner. So Dave, let me first say it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the program. Thank you very much, Mr. Prog Squatch. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. So uh, I guess we'll get rolling and... Uh, I figured before we got too deep into what you've been doing recording-wise, maybe we could talk a little bit about some of your business ventures like Sonic Reality. Yeah, Sonic Reality is a sound development company. Uh, we make sample libraries, uh, sometimes with famous musicians, like we have a Neil Peart drum library and Nick Mason drum library, uh, where musicians can play uh, with uh, the sounds of the, their kits, those musicians' kits, their actual kits or grooves performed by them uh, in the studio. Hmm. So like in the case of Nick Mason, we recorded him with Alan Parsons, uh, which hadn't been done since Dark Side of the Moon uh, cool. in you know early 70s. So, uh, And then there's, there's many others, Billy Cobham, Terry Bozio. And same thing, those were done with Ken Scott, who is the uh, producer of um, uh, My Vision Orchestra and... Uh, Billy Cobham Spectrum and mi Missing Persons. So uh, we've done that for years. Uh, at the moment, it's been a little bit quiet in Sonic Reality just because I've been focused a lot on the music stuff that I do. But uh, there are actually some new libraries coming out in 2020. Uh, bass libraries with Guy Pratt of Pink Floyd and Colin Edwin from Porcupine Tree. Their, their collection, you know, so you can play with a MIDI keyboard or sequencer and, you know, just all it's fun stuff. I use that in addition to recording live musicians myself. Uh, you know, when I make albums, I, I do a combination of keyboard samples and, and sequencing and a lot of live playing, including live keyboard playing. So I'm kind of like an old school hybrid with the new technology, but I also cooperate with a company called IK Multimedia and which is based primarily in Italy, and what IK does, uh, does many things, but one of the things that's really cool is IK models the guitar and studio gear uh, that's used on all sorts of different records. So like one of the latest products is Amplitude, the Brian May edition, which is a recreation of his guitar rig, which is really cool, because yeah. that's something I'd want, you know, it's, you know, it's got the, the models of the Vox and, and the top boosts and all the uh, effect pedals and even the pickups of his guild. I mean, it's really awesome. So between the two, Sonic Reality and IQ Multimedia and other companies that make great products, I have a toolkit of doom in the studio. You know, just when I, if I want to go, let's say, 
uh, a bit more Brian May with a guitar, which I did on the latest in Continuum record, there was a moment where I was like, you know, I'm doing harmonized guitars with Fernando and it's sort of like a queen type sound. Let's pull up the Brian May collection and run it through that. And it just sounded more authentic, you know, and in the context of my music, which doesn't really sound like queen, but elements might remind you of queen. That's just kind of fun. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, also, you had your Sonic Elements projects that kind of uh, drew on some of that also. Well, yeah, actually, that so Sonic Elements is, uh, it's the name of my Bandcamp page. Um, and it's kind of like an all-encompassing Sonic Reality music, uh, you know, Sonic Reality fused music uh, side of the company. Uh, but there's also a record company called RecPlay. Um, and this is my own independent record record company but it all goes through sonic elements with the Bandcamp page and the idea as a uh, it's sort of like a label slash project i wouldn't even call it a band because it's a project where we do tribute albums and songs with lots of different people so for instance sonic elements produced um a yes tribute last year to celebrate the 50th anniversary and we mm -hmm. got guys from yes to join us along with steve Ackett and robert barry and other peers uh, curved air you know so it um <clears throat> it's an outlet for mixing matching cool musicians that i've wanted to work with and fernando as well we co-produced that record um, so there's like through sonic elements that we're doing the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway as a film score meets, you know, rock album. So like a an embellished, if it was a movie, this is what to me it would sound like with Francis Dunnery singing, Nick Virgilio on drums and an orchestra um, and me on keys. And, you know, it's various others, a Pink Floyd tribute, a Rush tribute. Uh, but these are side projects that take, you know, sort of backseat to the original albums. But, they're a lot of fun, and I'd like to squeeze them in, you know, to to do uh, that as a just a way to work with a lot of different people and pay homage to all these great albums and artists that we love. Very cool. Very cool. In that segment, Dave was talking a little about his Sonic Elements project and tribute to Yes for their 50th anniversary. From that album called Yesterday and Today, a 50th anniversary tribute to Yes, Let's check out this version of Machine Messiah.
Again, that was a version of the Yes song Machine Messiah, which originally came from Yes's drama album, of course. This version was by Dave Kersner and other contributors to his Sonic Elements project for the album Yesterday and Today, a 50th anniversary tribute to Yes. On this song, those other contributors included Jeff Downs and Nick DiVirgilio. Some of the other contributors to the rest of this wonderful tribute album include Tony Kay, Billy Sherwood, Jay Shellen, John Davison, Steve Hackett, Robert Berry, Francis Dunnery, Leslie Hunt, Marco Miniman, Randy McStein, Sally Muneer, and six members of the band Curved Air. Stay tuned through the break for more great music and chat with my guest, Dave Kersner. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now let's check out one from the album Dimensionaut, the 2013 release by Sound of Contact one of Dave Kersner's bands, which also featured Simon Collins, Matt Dorsey, and Kelly Nordstrom. This is Omega Point. Don't let the bridges burn 
Again, that was Omega Point from Dimensionaut, sadly the one and only album by the band Sound of Contact. In the past two years or so, there was lots of talk going around about a Sound of Contact reunion, which never materialized, and I asked Dave about it. I guess obligatory Sound of Contact question time, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, I don't mind. <laughs> All right. If you don't want to answer, fine. You know, or, or if you want to answer in a diplomat diplomatic manner that would be cool Don't too. Worry. <laughs> go for it okay so yeah i followed a lot of the on again off again news about the potential sound of contact reunion which never quite materialized so uh can you talk at all about what went on there and why you guys were never able to get it back together well i mean you know one of the things that uh you know let's have to be cool about it because you know nobody wants to like I mean, everybody has been actually quite cool about not pointing the finger and blaming anybody right. per se, you know, because that's just sort of like, you know, yeah. no, no one's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a shame. And there, there is, there's every kind of emotion. Believe me, there's frustration. There's sometimes been anger. There's sometimes been just like sadness and, you know, other times just kind of like, well, gratitude because, it is amazing that we did at least do this one album that's celebrated very much still today. And, um, you know, it, it has, it's, it's a double edged sword because sometimes people just, you know, they want that album again. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. even if sound of contact was together, you know, you can, you can hear most of the songs that we were going to do anyway, uh, on, in, on the two in continuum albums. It's like, well, that's what it's going to sound like almost, you know, exactly so uh not exactly because you'd hear simon and simon sounds a bit more like phil but right. you know it, it's other than that though i mean those are the songs and and then there's some other songs on the other guys albums so it just you know but but either way i think it's more uh sweet than bittersweet you know um the fact that we have that to be proud of but anyway i mean <clears throat> it's kind of like there's there's a combination of things that I'm trying to think of things that I've been open about to say like every musician works at a different pace and um, uh, and works different ways like for instance I like to work uh, remotely you know because that's how I do it that's how I work with Marco Miniman and Nicky Virgilio and and Steve Hackett you know everybody's in a different part of the world mm -hmm. uh, some of the guys in Sound of Contact insisted wanted to and I, I i love the idea but it's a bit of a luxury to all be in the same room all the time which gets expensive uh gets difficult let's say for some of the guys that have families yeah logistically um, yeah yeah and it's just i don't think it's realistic um so you know so we would we would not agree on things like that and um uh and the, the other thing is my philosophy which i push myself on and not everybody does in, in that band is life is short got to get the albums out you know we we did dimension on in freaking 2010 mm -hmm. so you know it was released in 2013 so we waited three years for two years whatever and a half for it to be released and no one you know we weren't even sure if it was going to be released that was a nail-biting experience and then when it finally was and everyone loved it the logical thing to do would be, you know, to have a follow-up. But then I kind of got pushed out of the band. 
And, um, you know, there wasn't just the bandmates, but also management at the time and everything was just kind of like a mess. And in a really unexpected way, I was kind of pushed out of the band and later, you know, everyone apologized for that. But it was just kind of, it was shocking to me because I had, you know, played a huge creative role in, in the whole thing. And, you know, a lot of those were songs that I had for a long time and put into that project that I would have otherwise done on a solo record had I finally done one. And then I did finally do one because I was riding the, the, the momentum of it myself because I was sort of out. You know, they did the Pale Blue Dot video without me, for example. It was like, oh, okay, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, that mm -hmm. was just like, man, okay. Um, you know, but we made amends over things like that. I'm not the type of person to hold a grudge. It sucks, but it is what it is. You know, but meanwhile, I respect what Sound of Contact is and... There's also a friendship and a musical chemistry that we have. And I, you know, can look past certain things that, you know, because bands are never perfect. There's always some kind of, you know, everyone's different and has different ways of doing things. I've been in a few. I liken it to yeah. being married to like four or five other people. It's almost like yeah. a, a marriage where you're going to have that kind yeah. of, you know. Yeah, you have fights and, and it, it it's very emotional because yeah. people are very passionate about their their art and their music. Exactly, and I'm sure there's things that I do that they have to like decide if they're going to put up with or not, you know. Um, and you know, because I'm very sort of uh, <clears throat> strongly opinionated or whatever. Okay, um, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Um, and uh, but you know, I mean well, and everyone means well. So that's the thing. It's like. These are all really nice guys who mean well, but not everybody is as, you know, sort of hungry and and determined as the other and motivated and and um, balanced in that sort of uh, we're on a mission to get an album out this year, you know. And, and so on my own, I am and I'm literally, you know, maybe uh crazy in the sense that you know i i i'm like a mad scientist in the studio until the album gets done and 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 you know but that's what it takes it it's to make albums like these where it's a full cd of music with all sorts of lush production and you know uh, vocal harmonies and you know you bells and whistles and sound effects and everything um, it is a ton of work. It's not all that glamorous, really. It, mm -hmm. It's a lot of, you know, time. And uh, but the end result to like reach that milestone of putting out an album is priceless. I think to a songwriter, to a to a music artist, it's like that's your catalog. When you're done, or when you die, or whatever. Mm -hmm that stays behind if you get to the finish line on these things and i was just talking to randy mcstein about it actually and he i love i quote him now for this because it was so succinctly put which is the goal is to get as much art done and out before you die <laughs> yeah yeah that's the artist <laughs> yep so uh bottom line you think it could ever happen you know uh sound of contact yeah you know 
I, I think I might be, I've been even told that I'm the most optimistic of the four of us. Okay. And unfortunately, I've gotten to the point where I, I don't think so. Uh, but I would be willing to. But, you know, with certain conditions, though, like right. we, we'd all have to have certain conditions. Like, okay, what do you need, you know, need this to be so for you to be okay with it? For me, you know, there's things like, you know, no gig cancellations. I mean, they do happen. We cancel the continuum gig, so it's not like it doesn't happen. But especially no last-minute gig cancellations. I hate that. Um, it's just egg on your face that you don't need. You know, mm -hmm. we did that with Proofs of the Edge, and that did not help the band stay together. Um, and... You know, just just basically all being on the same page on how you're going to work, how much you're going to spend, you know, all the things that you have to do and when you're going to get the album done, schedules and all that stuff. Um, and if everyone was on the same page and everyone was, uh, you know, contributing. See, the other thing is it's a it was a four man band and then two of them quit without even telling us, by the way, that was just like a public announcement. That's how we found out. So it's like stuff like that that's just like, oh, this, it's like a sieve. You know, you're picking up sand and you're like, oh, God, like what? This is just like a like a soap opera. You know, like bands kind of can be like, but yeah. it's really just something that's, uh, you know, you think you're, you're getting somewhere and then, you know, like I'm the one who booked us on Cruise to the Edge. It's a reunion. I, I never even had the chance to play Dimensionaut and neither did Kelly. He didn't get a chance to play any of it because he quit the band before we played live. And this was like a way to correct everything. And I was so excited about it. And then it just blew up in our faces. And I still have yet to play Dimension on. They played it without me in its entirety. And I wrote most of the songs. So it's just one of those things where I just feel like, man, it, it, how many different ways can one try to, to make this work i mean without just throwing in the towel yeah but i'm the last one i'm the last one to throw in the towel that's what people don't understand people see me being active and maybe they think oh dave doesn't care he's just doing you know all he cares about himself he's doing his own albums and then i'm like no i love doing it just because i want to get like randy said as many albums out before i kick the bucket yeah but you know i'm helping matt do his solo record and with which includes some of his sound con contact songs I even helped Simon with some of his, or at least contributed to some of the songwriting on his. Um, although it's, it's mostly him and this guy, Robbie Bronneman, and, and it's more electronica style. It's a different different route, uh, but it's something he's into on his solo records. And, you know, uh, and I don't know what Kelly's doing, but like, I, I've, uh, you know, I've done my best. It's not up to me. If it was up to me, yeah. Or if they would say, you know what, Dave? Um, we like the way you do things and get things done. We trust you to produce the album or something or, or to, you know, lead the way or whatever. Because the problem with a band like that is there's no clear leader. And at any time there is one, it becomes like a sort of, you know, like a problem. Like, oh, who, why are you the leader? You know, well, I should be the leader. I should be the leader. It's like, all right. You can't have too many cooks in the kitchen or too many captains, especially yeah. if you're going in different directions. It's like pick one and that person has to have a vision and a solid plan on how to carry that out. 
And I don't mind. In fact, I just joined a band. It's not been announced yet where I'm not the leader. And I'm totally fine with that. It's not an ego thing. I don't have an ego. I have a little bit of an ego, but like a very healthy one. Like I'm not looking to take over. I just want somebody in charge who's going to take it to the finish line. If it's someone else and they know more than me, I'm thrilled to learn and follow along and, and, and be part of something that's going somewhere. If it's not, then it's me. Like in Continuum, it's me. If all falls on me to get the album done and to get it out there and to do videos and do whatever shows we're going to do, if we're going to do any, you know, and that's cool too. It's long, it just That's all I care about is somebody leading the way. In Sound of Contact, nobody's leading the way. That's the problem. And I, if I do it, they don't like it. They resent me. It's kind of like, you know. Wow. Yeah. Catch 22. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I really you appreciate do. your candor on all of that. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, like I said, I hope, I hope what I say, the only reason sometimes I hold back is I don't want, want it to be misunderstood. You know, mm -hmm. I, I love, I love these guys. I really do. And I wish them the best. And I would love to freaking do. I love Sound of Contact. I would love to do another Sound of Contact record. And I'm not opposed to it at all. But it just, as long as we're on the same page and can work with respect to each other's uh, needs and to be able to be fair and, and uh, respectful of each other's time and, you know, professional, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, but, you know, Matt thinks I'm crazy, like, you know, dreaming uh you know that's gonna happen well, but uh, you sound totally reasonable to me you know that sounds totally reasonable and professional and how everyone should probably look at it thanks yeah let's continue on now with some music from dave kersner's first solo album called new world this album featured some tunes which had been slated for a second sound of contact album and had many big-name contributors, including Fernando Perdomo, Nick DiVirgilio, Francis Dunnery, Colin Edwin, Keith Emerson, Steve Hackett, David Longden, Billy Sherwood. The list goes on and on. Anyway, from that album, this is one of my favorite tracks called Nothing. Oh 
Again, that was nothing from Dave Kersner's star-studded solo debut album, New World, originally released in 2014. After the break, I'll have more from Dave's new compilation album, more chat with Dave, and some music from his latest project, In Continuum. Don't go anywhere. Prague Watch will be right back. Let's continue on with another from Dave's new compilation album called Breakdown, a compilation 1995 through 2019. This is an alternate version of Only Breathing Out, one of the songs from Sound of Contact's Dimensionaut.
Again, that was Only Breathing Out, a new studio version of a Sound of Contact tune done by Dave and his current Dave Kersner band. So yeah, we'll, we'll kind of shift gears here if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> talk about what you're doing now, which is very excellent, uh, excellent project, the In Continuum. You mentioned that a lot of the material on these two albums was intended for an SOC reunion, um, but you uh, you put together quite a lineup of musicians for these albums. You want to talk about like uh, what maybe some of the other players like. Randy McStein and uh, you know Matt Dorsey, like what, what? What did they bring to the table? Was it kind of a collaborative thing? How you know how complete were those songs? Um, well, let's see. I mean, first of all, it started with the song Aliana. Um, I wrote that with Letitia Wolf uh, around the time in 2012, actually, um, when uh, I did Shaming of the True, which was a tribute to Kevin Gilbert with Nick DiVirgilio mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of people that played with Kevin. And Letitia was one of the backing vocalists. And we were just talking about working together and uh, came up with this idea about a female alien. And, you know, and, and, and she wrote the lyrics. Uh, but, you know, we sort of talked about the concept uh, together. Um, and without knowing what it would be for, just kind of like, you know, just to, try working together and we liked it and it was cool and it was sort of sitting there waiting for like okay are we gonna do an album what are we gonna do with this and you know she got busy and i got busy and then when in 2015 three years later uh we got back together with sound of contact um i had uh played you know what we do as a band is is even for dimension on is we just play each other what songs we have in whatever state they're in and then, you know, Simon especially would, because he was the singer, would we'd be like, oh, I like that one. I want to sing that one. I like that one. Um, so, like, for instance, Not Coming Down was a song that was very personal for me. And I always thought I would sing it as part of, like, a solo thing because it was about Kevin Gilbert. And uh, But I played it for him. He's like, oh, yeah, we got to do that. I, I can relate to it. It's not like, oh, okay, all right, sure. Um, and so the same thing happened with Eliana. And that became sort of um, the centerpiece for the second album, which was going to be called Eliana, spelled a little differently. But um, and so from there, um, you know, I, I had some different ideas. I, I remember actually was connected to only breathing out in the original demo. I forgot about that. But uh, so that's where that came from. So that was from that era and you know we just played each other different stuff um and like two two moons setting with the sun was one of matt's ideas that i progged up with keyboards and keyboard solos and stuff like that that's something that i would do like i am was one of simon's songs on dimension Op, but i progged it up with a keyboard solo in the middle and some other you know sort of keyboard infused things um, so i like working that way too so either i brought in a song that was finished or partially finished and we co-wrote lyrics or this and that um and that that happened on aliana for instance simon co-wrote some of the lyrics uh you don't know how it feels he co-wrote some of the lyrics with me um and uh but most of the other stuff uh i wrote so, sometimes uh I, I was just telling a friend of mine um how i work 
either I'm writing the music on my own and then I'm the songwriter of listed for the music or if it's created during a jam session and it was, wasn't done before, sometimes that's like a co-write, even if it's keyboard driven and like the chords and everything are actually on the keyboard and everyone else is playing like bass or drums. It's not technically the songwriting, but I'm pretty generous about it. Uh, and so are others. I got that from Kevin Gilbert actually, because you know, that's how he used to do it with Sheryl Crow and all that kind of stuff. They would just get everyone in the room in the jam session got credit. So, you know, so sometimes some songs were built out of that. Actually, some, a few songs like Vampires of the Soul came from the static sessions, the sessions that uh, about a third of my solo record, Static, was from jam sessions with uh, Fernando and Randy McStein, Fernando Perdomo mm -hmm. and Randy McStein and Derek Cintron. So, yeah, so basically... Um, uh, but I, I had listed, um, actually, we all put together, uh, there's a post on this Sound of Contact uh, Facebook page, just if anyone was curious, which songs were of the albums were actually Sound of Contact songs originally, uh, that, you know, because some of them aren't. Some of them were just, you know, other songs that I wrote to uh, tie the story together and everything else. Um, and then some of them were... Uh, you know, like uh, the ones I mentioned and uh, The Mothership of Light, um, which is part of Annihilation. But Annihilation itself wasn't. There was nothing called Annihilation on the Sound of Contact. That's, that was part of my uh, act two of, of the Acceleration Theory. And also Acceleration Theory itself, as a title and the concepts, were not part of the Sound of Contact uh, album. That, that was actually uh, from a idea i had for a film script right i was going to ask you about that if you could uh briefly talk about the the uh the storyline and and how you came up with that well there was i merged two storylines the aliana storyline was originally the storyline that uh, that uh leticia and i had which was similar to like the fifth element or something like lilu falling in love with bruce willis's character you know something like that it was just like that that sort of, you know, uh, concept, uh, working with, you know, an alien with alien language and stuff. We were just kind of having fun in a Bjork, kind of a Bjork influenced way. And, um, the, uh, wait, I forgot what the question was. Oh, <laughs> this is about story. the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then, okay. So first it was that, then we, when, when sound contact wanted to do it, we kind of connected the dots to dimension on which would have been really cool. But then when we all went our separate ways, I agreed with Simon not to directly connect it to Dimension Aunt. There's no dimensional traveling in it, for instance. But um, uh, but I, I do say, and I, I, I feel this is sort of up to the listener, that they exist in the same universe, that they could actually, in a different part of the timeline, coexist and sort of be in the same you know like oh well this could relate to this if you know and you, it's kind of fun you can use your own imagination instead of being a little bit more deliberate as sound of contact we would be, be a little more appropriate to be deliberate with a separate band project uh like this you know maybe not but actually i would say new world is in that universe too so there's mm -hmm. crosses between those three things that's kind of fun okay uh but um what I ended up doing instead of 
the direct connection that we had, which I can't really reveal because uh, that would sort of spoil things, um, <clears throat> was kind of fun how that was directly related. You can sort of imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I fused it with this story that I had about um, aliens kind of watching our evolution and kind of feeling like since the beginning, the dawn of man, kind of like 2001 where they just see a bunch of you know, early man and say, Hey, look, you know, here's a monolith. Now you can use a hammer. What, what can you do if we teach you that? So it's sort of like that, but, um, down to like uh, a little bit more, well, they're not monoliths. They're actually humanoid <clears throat> and various other types of um, aliens, but they're more advanced than us. And there's this galactic community that we're kept in the dark about, and we're not invited yet because we're too primitive. So, right around the 20th century they're like what if we this is the this is the acceleration theory what if we kind of help them along teach them how to fly and like use rockets and internet and all this stuff so they can communicate and they can fly you know maybe maybe that'll kind of give them a little boost let's 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 see a catalyst right Mm -hmm. and unfortunately it backfires because we weren't ready for it and about 50 years in the future from now which is when the setting for uh, in continuum acceleration theory, um, we're about to blow up the Earth almost, uh, ruin it with nuclear weapons because we're having some sort of like ego pissing war, you know, uh, that we have no control over, and everyone's sort of marching to their death, and no one knows why, and it's just, you know, we're, we're our worst nightmare, you know, like a thermonuclear war, you know, uh, war games. Um, you know, yeah. and they're finally like, okay, we got to clean up the mess. And that's what annihilation is. They're actually not bad guys. They're just coming to prevent us from destroying the earth because to them, the earth is a valuable asset to the whole galactic community. So, you know, it should be valuable to us. And they're like amazed that we could be so, um, you know, destructive, self-destructive. But what they don't know is that there's this parasite entities called the scavengers uh who sometimes destroy their plans of you know helping uh a species evolve by sort of you know they're also called the vampires of the soul they sort of suck the energy uh and and try to get negative energy to to fuel them uh in a sort of you know they're the bad guys i guess you could say yeah the intergalactic Uh, devils Yeah, and they're just they're trying to get us. And what they do is they prey on the people that are lower vibration, you know, kind of needing ego satisfaction and you know greed and and insecurities and, like and all, all of that our kind of, politicians and leaders these days. <laughs> yeah, they, they let, yeah, you could almost imagine that there's some sort. Well, I mean, the, it, lots of different um, things you know, like like for instance, Eckhart Tolle talks about who uh, Francis Dunnery turned me on to, very interesting, mm-hmm. uh, The Power of Now. And in this book, he talks about uh, this thing called the pain body, which is sort of like an entity uh, that that is an invisible force that that sucks the energy and does these, I don't, I, I'm not going to describe it accurately right now, but <laughs> similar kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, th- but this is a little bit more sci-fi. So I, I, it's fiction. So I have the the liberty to sort of make them shapeshifters, 
you know, I mean, obviously some people think that's real, that there's Lizzie's amongst us and who are, it's like, yeah, man, I, I'm not saying that it's real or it's not real, but in, in this fictional story, um, that's what's going on is there's these, you know, bad guys that are manipulating us if we're manipulatable. And of course, Kai, uh, played by Gabriel Gudo, the main character, has learned enough from Eliana, from Letitia's character, to rise above that, raise his vibration, and, and start using some of the powers that they have to, you know, hopefully help call the invasion off uh, and, and show the aliens that we're not a bunch of primitive, self-destructive, uh, you know, uh, hopeless creatures here, that some of us actually can be really cool and are open and, you know, want to want to move forward and others are just sort of so stuck in their systems and their uh you know games that they don't realize that they're just destroying everything for everyone uh just to be right or just to be you know powerful or whatever um so it's an interesting I, what i like about it is that it's it is sci-fi but at the same time it's very like down to earth and real too like yeah social commentary yeah kind yeah of. you know like you can almost imagine it actually happening in a way and i like that sort of suspension of disbelief in and sci-fi spielberg was great close encounters of the third kind you know like it stretches obviously it's a little far-fetched some of the things but but you know at, for all we know i mean if you think about it i mean it is kind of a mystery, like why all of a sudden after, you know, however many tens or hundreds of thousands of years of man, all of a sudden we have the internet and rockets and all this stuff, like where did this come from? It is and, amazing when you just look at what's happened in our lifetimes. I know you're around my age and, uh, uh -huh. yeah, I mean, geez, think that like in 30 years, what computers, where they started 30 years ago and where they are now, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's it's really bizarre, and it's like oh, all of mankind. Of course, then there's theories about, you know, in the history of man, there was technology, and it got wiped out, or you know, cities like Atlantis. And I love all that kind of stuff anyway. So I, I'm totally into, you know, those kind of uh, shows and and books and thoughts. You know, and just thinking about like, wow, how did that? How did they build the you know, I'm yeah. that kind of guy who's like, you know, pondering. Uh, but, you know, I like to put it into dramatic musical form. I think that's kind of a fun outlet for it. Cool. Very cool. Yep. Very enjoyable also. Now let's hear some of Dave's more recent work with his new In Continuum project. From the first In Continuum album, Acceleration Theory Part 1, released earlier in 2019, this is Crash Landing, which features Steve Hackett.
Crash Landing from Acceleration Theory Part 1 by Dave Kersner's new project called In Continuum. So I hope you guys enjoyed the program. I'm going to do something I haven't done before, and I'm going to come right back next week with Part 2 of my coverage of Dave Kersner. We'll hear the rest of my chat with Dave, as well as lots of great music from both of the In Continuum albums, more of Dave's solo stuff, and maybe even a little Mantra Vega. I hope you will join us. Until next time, be well, and prog on, my brothers and sisters. Yeah.